I had a really negative attitude. I had a really pessimistic way of looking at life. I would never see the silver lining. I was angry and I didn't like these things about myself, but I didn't know I had the power to change it until I knew I had the power to change it. So when I started doing that work, that was, in my opinion, what true self-love is, is when you have the power and the will to accept you for everything that you are and then decide what you don't like to change. You know, they say, well, people can't change. Yes, they can. I'm living proof as I know many other people are. We can change if, if we want to. It has to be a choice. Welcome to 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol and spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same like right now. Welcome to the podcast. I'm going to be talking to Amy Barsky in a little bit. But just before we do that, I'm just going to do a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to step into your power, if you want to become the man or the woman that you've always, always had with inside you, hidden under layers and layers of uh, beliefs and storytelling and fakeness, okay? If you're ready to step into that power, then we're ready to have a look at you and to help you and to guide you and to teach you to be self-reliant and to teach you to make incredible changes in your life just like I've done and just like every other striver has done so far, right? And if you're interested in that, get over to www.1000daysober.com and get yourself on a 30-minute call with myself. I will uh, have a little chat with you and I will figure it out. I will kind of have a really good dibs on whether you're ready to go 1000 Days Sober or not. All right, so do that, 1000daysober.com. Book a little session with me and we'll have a chat about what we can do to help you, you know, realize that you have an amazing power once you get alcohol out of your life and that you can really achieve some great things. All right. Okay. So I'm going to get on with my guest here. So Amy Barsky, I'm so excited to introduce you to her. She's an entrepreneur, a self-development thought leader and a certified health and freedom coach and creator of The Shift Method. She helps high-performance professionals free themselves from uh, anxiety, past trauma, emotional overwhelm, uh, so they can live a clear, focused, and fulfilling life. She created The Shift Method to guide people in getting over the hump of emotional overwhelm, anxiety, and depression. And for those who are feeling uh, what she used to feel, uh, stuck, uncertain, and not quite sure how they're going to go about things. She does and shares her practice through her method globally and through uh, one-to-one sessions, workshops, online programs, the whole nine yards, right? All of her teachings are centered on mindfulness and conscious living, uh, designed to guide you into a focus, clarity, bite-sizable goals, creating new pathways into an empowering, energetic life. And today we are going to talk about some of those principles. We're going to be talking about not principles, uh, but creating principles to get over these hurdles of anxiety, uh, depression, and emotional overwhelm. So without further ado, I'm going to leave you in the capable hands of Amy Barsky. And if you want to learn more about her and how to get a hold of her, head over to 1000 Day Sober website. So you can go to the podcast page and you can download the show notes and a special workbook that we will create to deepen your knowledge and understanding of the content that we're going to provide to you today. So over to Amy Barsky. Thanks for listening. 
Welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. Amy Barsky, you are looking alive, full of energy, full of wonderful, kind of like, uh, I don't know, good stuff. What are you doing to keep yourself looking so alive and fancy free? Ready to go, ready to go. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. What do I do to look alive? Um, Meditate. Meditate. (laughs) Lots of meditation, lots of clearing, lots of inner work. And lots of celebrating, lots of mm. dancing, celebrating. Yes, I'm just I'm just learning the whole celebrating thing. Actually, it's uh, yeah. something, something that's been missing from my life, and something that I've been incorporating in our Strive community and getting people to celebrate their wins every day. Yeah. So it's a yeah. new thing for sure. I agree. It's definitely more on the newer side for myself. About maybe like two years of really appreciating and celebrating how far we've come in life. God, yes. we're here right now, first off is a miracle. Yeah. And so that to me, you know, just learning to say, wow, I'm here today. I woke up today. Celebrate. <laughs> yeah. As soon as those feet hit the ground out of bed, like just have some gratitude. Yeah. I really like yeah. that. Um, yeah, for I, was, sure. I was reading your, uh, your personal journey on, on your website and, uh, seen some similarities there with my, with myself, with the whole, um, um, old elephant marriage graveyard type of thing. Um, and I know I noticed that you talked about suffering from anxiety and depression in your previous life, but then when you kind of did the work and you did the shift, that actually that anxiety and depression for a short while at least it increased, and it and I was like, whoa, that happens it with alcohol. You quit alcohol, and then all of a sudden you start to get a little bit anxious and and, and a little bit depressed. And then you start thinking, did I do the right thing? What was happening there? Why do you get that kind of little dip before you? Well, I think for a lot of people and, you know, I can only speak from my own experience and then from clients that I've worked with. It's, it's a lot about often we use the external to heal us. We go, I'm going to, I'm going to do self-care like massage and pedicures and baths and facial masks and, and shopping, you know, their retail therapy and all of the external things. And generally that is a really awesome temporary way of self-care. And when you get into the root of what's really there, beyond the external and you go into the internal, that's where the shift will happen in a more profound way. You know, the, the, the general is, it's fine. You know, oh, great, I need to take a bath and relax my physical body. Absolutely. There's things that there's benefits there, but if you're not getting to the root of it, then you're putting band-aids on, on the actual wound that doesn't actually get to heal from the root of the wound. And for me, I thought, oh, if I remove myself from all of these external things, the toxic relationship, the dead end jobs, the, um, you know, just the things that I didn't want in my life, people that didn't support me, negative energy, all that stuff, then I would be good. And, And I would just, you know, move you know, change partners, change houses, change clothes, change hairstyle, change whatever. If you're not, if you're changing all the external, but you're not working on the internal, the internal landscape is what matters the most. Mm. Um, so for me, I was doing all of the surface ETHs things until I realized that I was like, why am I still having the same issues? Mm. And I realized, um, it actually came down to one question. Uh, a friend had said to me, well, Amy, do you love yourself? And I thought, well, well, yeah, like it just seemed like a, like a kind of like a dumb question. Like, what do you mean? Of course, of course I love myself, but she's, when she opened my eyes to the perspective of loving all of me, 
everything that I didn't like about myself, whether it was, you know, I had a really negative attitude. I had a really pessimistic way of looking at life. I would never see the silver lining. I was angry and I didn't like these things about myself, but I didn't know I had the power to change it until I knew I had the power to change it. So when I started doing that work, that was, in my opinion, what true self-love is, is when you have the power and the will to accept you for everything that you are and then decide what you don't like to change. You know, they say, well, people can't change. Yes, they can. I'm living proof as I know many other people are. We can change if if we want to. It has to be a choice. So for me, that was a big... uh, You know what it reminds me of? It it reminds me of people that stop drinking alcohol and then they Mm -hmm. get triggered. So they get that trigger. They get that uh, resistance talking in their head, telling them you've got to have a drink. And then they they roll out the kind of like the trigger toolkit. And the trigger toolkit is all um, have an Epsom Epsom salt bath, get the candles out, have a massage, do X, Y, Z, right? And like Uh you said, I've never thought of it like this before, but what you've just explained there is a lot of people probably have an external heavy trigger toolkit and what we need to do is really balance that a lot more with okay so what are we going to do internally here because a lot of the times when we're triggered we're just going to have to learn to sit with those triggers and that isn't going to come with any external work it's going to be internal work so my question to you amy is how do you even start to do that internal work what does it look like for me at first it was meditation uh, it was specifically Kundalini yoga, which is a style of meditation yoga, which is a lot of breathing exercises, which brought up a lot of emotional stuff, emotional baggage I was carrying. And so clearing, starting to work with that and going, where is that coming from? What is that? How do I get a handle on that? How do I dissolve that in a way that's an in integrity and still honoring where I am and honoring um, my my process? And so once that was Kundalini yoga was, was the beginning of that practice. And then it came into uh, working with coaches, reading, like I became like a self-help junkie. I was reading all the books and all the, the webinars and all the workshops and all the seminars, anything I could get my hands on because I just wanted information. And I think I was kind of, part of me was kind of like making, I was a really bad student in school in <laughs> high school. And uh, I hated it. I hated school. I was also, and I hated school because I was holding a lot of energy and negativity towards my parents. So it's kind of like going into my adult life. I wanted to be like the perfect student. So I wanted to get it right. So give me all the books, give me all the information. And um, yeah, so working with coaches, specifically one-on-one with trauma became something that was a huge healing modality for me. And that's why I end up um, doing what I do now was specifically working trauma work, subconscious reprogramming, because I see uh, the change it, it created for myself. I'm a, and, you know, the witness to my own transformation and, and now working with clients, doing the same thing, using those tools, using those methods. It's just like, it's, I'm just blown away by how powerful our minds are. I had no idea how much strength we have in our mind, but we don't give ourselves credit for. We give ourselves, you know, we use the excuses or the, oh, that's just the way I am. Or, oh, well, that's my sign. I'm a Leo. So this is the way I'm supposed to act. Hmm. The reality is 
you don't like something about yourself, you absolutely have the will to change that. Whether it's an external addiction to drinking or drugs or sex or social media is a big one. We're so addicted to social media and comparing ourselves. It's like, you know, it, it, we have the, you have the power. It's a muscle. It's just like going to the gym and doing your biceps. If you mm. want to strengthen the muscle, you got to work on your brain. You know, we've got over 700 muscles in the body. And this one is, in my opinion, the most powerful. When you said about uh, working with coaches and being a self-help junkie, you know, we have 1,000 Days Sober coaches. So we have a, a fleet of coaches here at 1,000 Days Sober. And very often they're, they're looking for people to work with them. They're, they're in the Stride community going, hello, does anyone want to work with me? And it's almost as if people think, I can't work with a coach unless there's something wrong with me. Like I have a problem, so I call a coach. Instead of, no, I'm just going to call a coach. I'm going to call a coach, especially when they're here and they're, they're free as part of your subscription at 1,000 Days Sober. And I'm oh, going I'm I'm to talk to them. I'm going to see what comes up and what I can learn. And mm. then that might lead to something that you want to work on. But let's see what I can learn from having a conversation about this. Yeah. You know, that, does that land with you there that, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to wait until you're broken in order to, to try to fix something. You just go, don't get stuck into it. So I think it was, I'm not sure. It may have been Tony Robbins, maybe not. But the, um, the, the quote is, people move out of two situations, inspiration or desperation. So sometimes, you know, when people are inspired, they'll partake in that free coaching and be like, wow, this sounds really cool because they're inspired. But I, I feel it seems, and, and again, I speak from my own experience, more often we move from desperation. I'm so desperate to not be where I'm at anymore. And it takes sometimes hitting that rock bottom place to then say, fuck, I got to change this. I can't live like this anymore. I know there's more to life than what is right now. How do I get myself out of this situation? And so often it does come to that spiral of the, the black abyss. And you're like, I can't live here anymore. And so, yeah, you know, and I think also when you invest in yourself financially, when you put that, that money out, because I feel like, you know, especially our culture holds so much around money and the money story of like, wow, like to me, if I'm spending money on something, I want my money's worth. Like I want my values worth. I want, I want, you know, that exchange. And so if I'm investing financially in something, I will probably, and especially if it's, it's me leaning into my edge going, wow, this is more than, than I I'm comfortable spending. Therefore I'm going to do all of the work and then some, mm. you know, I think, I think the inspiration, desperation and the money thing are linked because what I found in the money conversations to try to get people over the line and, and to really start to step into their power and to really um, start to acknowledge and understand that the power that they have and what they're capable of doing and in order to get them over that line, that money line, they've got to really believe that they can do it. And they really have to raise the importance, raise the bar of doing it. And I, and I come across a lot of people who come, come in and they're like, yeah, I want to smash it. I, I, I don't want to drink alcohol anymore. Um, but then when you talk about money, it becomes like, oh, wow, well, I haven't really got this money or that money. When you know you can get it, because if you needed to get it for a life-saving operation, you would just get it. What you're saying right. is right now you're saying, 
No, actually quitting alcohol is not as important as this amount of money that I'm willing to invest. That is a problem I see all the time. And that is why so many people find it so difficult to change. Yeah. And well, and there's this money story, you know, it's um, the money story of money is scarce or the fear around spending the money. And I also feel, especially like when I work with families or parents, you know, they are so much more willing to give to their children that they won't give to themselves. Very good point. So that, that idea of self-care, the idea of, of, We've got to fill up our own cup first so that we can give to those we love, you know, our family, our friends, our communities. If I'm running on empty and I'm trying to give you something and I've got no gas in the tank, what am I going to give you? You know, but it's so when are you going to go fill up your love tank? When are you going to go fill up your self-love tank for you so that you are whole and complete as you are on your own in alignment with your core values, your beliefs, so that you can just let the overflow be what you give to others, mm. not come that. from a place of scarcity and fear mm. and I'm not enough and, you know, I don't deserve it. I like that. Give the overflow to everybody else once yeah. you fed yourself. Yeah. I, 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 I can, I think that's a really important point to make because like, <laughs> women, women, women are more likely to do stuff for everybody else and not invest in their own self-development where the guy's, more likely to be like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll look after myself. Yeah, and it's like when you're on the airplane, <coughs> right? When the mask drops down, what do they tell you? Put your own mask on first. Yeah, Give yeah. yourself the oxygen, then help someone else. So you get to fill yourself up first to make sure that you are whole and healthy so that you can give out without resentment. You ever be in a relationship where you feel like, I'm doing everything, I'm doing everything. Right. I feel, I, you're feel, not- I feel like that all the time, but I am pretty sure that's just a story. <laughs> well, then, so then if you feel like that all the time, the invitation is to receive. Because mm-hmm. for me, I am, this is something I'm working on right now, like in the present time and, and maybe like the past like year is working on receiving. So often we're so used to giving, giving, giving that people are giving and we don't see it. We do not see it. We're like, no, I'm giving you more. Or we're playing the comparison game because we don't understand that the heart has to be open to receive. The emotional intelligence of acknowledging, wow, that person's really trying or that person went out of their way for me or what a beautiful you know, gift they gave me, whether it's a compliment or an actual gift or whatever that might be. It's like, are you actually receiving are you capable of receiving? Because I know for me, I wasn't. And so now I'm like really recognizing that. I'm like, holy crap. Yes. This has been knocking on my door. And I'm like, whatever. No, super important. My, my coach said to me the other day, I've been doing some, been increasing the number of YouTube videos I do. And, and mm. my coach was like, you do really good with your YouTube videos. And I was like, oh yeah, I can't take full credit for that, blah, blah, blah. blah. And she's like, receive, just right? receive. Right? You know, just not used to it. And I think this kind of goes back to reflecting on celebrating our wins. Because when you celebrate what you've received or what you've accomplished, right, that's, an, that's, a, that's a way of receptivity. Yeah, yeah. The law of reciprocity, okay? Yeah. The law of reciprocity, if you're giving out, it's going to come back. So are you actually open to receive what's coming back at you? I'm glad you mentioned the law of reciprocity because I struggle to say the word. So thank you for that. Um, it took me a while to get it. Um, what you touched upon earlier on, we were talking about, you know, people having skin in the game, basically when they want to make 
change yeah. and uh, investing in themselves financially and mentally and physically and emotionally. Uh, one of the issues is uh, anxiety and depression. It, it, it doesn't allow them to get over that dip that they need to, to get in the arena, I guess. And you deal with this. Um, so what is the, what's the difference between anxiety and depression first and foremost, and how do you diagnose them? Well, I'm not a doctor, so I don't do any diagnosis, however. <laughs> and I also feel that there's different levels of anxiety and depression. So therefore, you need to make sure that you are having getting assessed properly so that you know what you're dealing with within your own body mm. and your own mind space. And it's interesting because the symptoms are very similar. There's very much a common thread, even between emotional overwhelm as well. Emotions and anxiety kind of play hand in hand. And when you have this these symptoms build up for a long time, that's when it can often fall into the description of, of depression. So if you think about it, you know, anxiety is like, like excessive worry. It's feeling restless, not being able to sleep at night, uh, trouble concentrating or like finishing a task. Uh, lots of times it's like muscle tension. Maybe you, like for me, I held it in my, in my stomach a lot or in my right shoulder. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, fatigue, like I would take naps all the time. Mm. Even though I had full eight hours of sleep, I would take lots of naps. And then, so that's kind of like the generalized um, uh, symptoms of anxiety. And so the symptoms of depression, there's a common thread. It's it's a you know, depressed mood, you know, feeling moody, uh, lack of interest and enjoying the things you used to enjoy. And you're like, no, I don't want to do anything anymore. Insomnia. So again, sleeping, lack of like trouble sleeping. And for me, depression was about not wanting to do anything. So no movement or slow movement or like, you know, oh my God, I got to get up and make myself breakfast. And I would like lag to the kitchen and just a real lack of energy. And the, for me, the, one of the bigger stories, um, which again, went to childhood trauma, subconscious programming, um, lack of worthiness, not feeling worthy of, of life, of, of a healthy life, of a happy life, of a fulfilling life. And so really struggling to concentrate, to get myself into that space where I was moving the needle forward and enjoying life. And I guess lastly would be uh, suicidal thoughts. You know, when you're falling into that place of a dark depression where you're like, why am I here? What is the point of living anymore? There's no sense in being here. And um, yeah, so it's something I struggled with most of my life. Uh, mostly, I guess I was bullied on the playground a lot as a kid and then feeling like I don't belong, I don't fit in. And then just creating that story for myself. Then I isolated myself even more in high school. I had just very few friends. And then recognizing into my early adulthood, you know, these, this, this pattern of self-sabotage and not, not being able to create a life that I wanted. And so then seeking the help that I needed, the support that I needed to get through to the other side. And I'm not saying every day is perfect. You know, we're human and we have egos and we have our triggers that push us and poke our buttons. And now we get to with tools and techniques, you get to say, okay, cool. I know what that is. I know that story. I know that command. I understand that trigger and I understand where my mind could go and I can choose differently. Right now I choose something else. I choose this versus my old story. How did you, how did you do the work? How, what, what form of processing did you use? Cause I imagine in, I keep saying your previous life and your current life, but you know what I, I mean, know. right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine you're like a, 
Yeah, he's like a little bit of a zombie just going through Groundhog Day and you're not really thinking about something. And then the shift happens and you start to introspect and you start to think and wonder if there's something out there that's different. What did you do to process, like uh, journaling or anything? What, what did you do? Lots of journaling. Like I said, meditation was my first modality, but working with coaches, working one-on-one to get in my head of my subconscious programming to reprogram my brain. Imagine you're, you're, we are computers, right? We are an absolute computer. We are, our bodies are the physical computer itself, right? Then we have memory, then we have software, then we have cookies that are, or programs that run in the background. And then we have the actual operator. So say I have the, the most, you know, updated computer, but it's still running on an old program. And, and then I have too many windows open. And then my computer now has a virus, like that's what our minds are, our subconscious mind, our subconscious programming is viruses keep running, keep running, keep running until you go, oh shit, there's a virus in there. I need to, I need to handle that. Mm. So if you think it as a, as a computer analogy, it's so simple to just go back in there, work with a coach, get into the old programming, understand the old programming, heal the wound that is, because a lot of times your programming is... Um, you are an adult living in this adult world, but when someone triggers you, your, your programming takes you back to your childhood and you respond from that seven-year-old little boy or girl or that nine-year-old or that teenager, because that's where the trauma landed or that's when it happened. Hmm. And when I say the word trauma, I don't necessarily mean something horrific like, you know, war or, you know, rape or anything. It doesn't have to be that grandiose, right? Trauma could be being bullied on the playground. Trauma could be one of your teachers saying, oh my God, you're so stupid. You got a bad grade or anyone, anyone can plant a seed. And all of a sudden that's all you hear. And you're like, holy crap. I'm, I'm not, I'm not smart. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. Or maybe you have a parent, there was a divorce in the family. And all of a sudden you have this abandonment story because the divorce was your fault. Mm. That's programming that you're running to on and that's where you go until you've handled it and once you've got a handle on that it's a game changer game changer yeah I, uh, I slipped in i slipped into my victim my victim archetype this morning i sure. felt controlled like i i have my daughter in the mornings until like noon and i always feel like my wife's kind of looking at me going you know, huh, he's not, she's, he's not, he's not too present with her. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. He's not feeding this, he's not feeding that. And it really bugs me. And I've realized that if I am anxious or overwhelmed and I'm not really showing it, it's just, it's just all in here. And then I, that happens to me, my victim comes out. I'm more likely to act like a dickhead, right? You know? So you said when you get a handle on it, I'm still trying to get a handle on it. I'm I'm a lot better than I used to be. But Good. what would your advice be about keep on keeping? I mean, you must work with men as well as you work with women. What yeah. what are yes. the things that are you you call it your shift method? What are the things that you do to work with people so they do get it more concrete? It's, it's doing the trauma work. It's going in there and getting to the root of the actual incidents that happened, yeah. the experience that you had. So basically, what happens is. Say you had a trauma. Usually a trauma is this, it, it, by definition, a trauma is it happens between one minute to 24 hours, the time frame where your emotions are so heightened and so extreme that you make a decision. In that moment of this experience, you make a decision. You make a decision about yourself. 
You make a decision about the experience, maybe the person, the mom, the dad, the brother, the sister, the whatever, the person, the experience. And then you make a decision about the world, how you view the world, right? So let's break it down to like a very simple example. Say you went out on a date and you thought the date went really well. And now they don't call you, you don't call them, you're waiting, you're playing the waiting game. And then that's it. It never, you know, nothing ever comes of it. You start to go, well, maybe they didn't like the way I dressed. Maybe they didn't like the job I had. Maybe you start doubting everything. And so this doubt starts to roll in. And then you start defending yourself. Oh, it's okay. I didn't like them anyway. They weren't all that great. You know, or, or yeah, you just start like defending and then really wreck. And then, so then the story comes in. Oh, well, I'm not lovable. Oh, they didn't like me. I'm not likable. And then it's, oh my God, I was abandoned, right? So it builds into this, this whole, you have an experience, you have a thought, you have an emotion. And so if there's trauma there from childhood of not feeling lovable or liked or fitting in or feeling abandoned, that's going to come up mm. after the state experience because that person or that date didn't call you or you never, they never have, you know, the relationship didn't evolve to anything. So this trauma needs to be handled. And let me ask you some questions on the, on the trauma yeah. being handled, if that's okay then. So yeah. I, I can reflect back into my life. Like I, I have my memories, uh, very few of them. I'm not like one of these person, these people who say they remember when they were four. I can't even remember when I was 18, right? So I'm not great at that. I can't remember yesterday. I'm not great at that. But I, I do, I, if you said to me, when were my trauma moments, I would say people calling me uh, a chink when I was younger, being racially mm-hmm. abusive to me. Um, moving mm-hmm. from England to Wales when I was um, uh, 10 years of age was uh, traumatic for me, right? So they're the two major moments of trauma for me. And then my divorce uh, a lot, lot later on, right? But as a kid, those are my two traumatic moments. But when it comes to me having a problem with control and having a problem with authority and someone kind of like, kind of like being too close and telling me what to do, whereas most people would just be like, oh, look, this, she really loves me. She's trying to make me a better husband. I'm kind of like, you know, victim comes out. Because I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't pattern it anywhere. I can't connect it to anything, right? So, so how does that work? Are you saying you just need to work with someone and they will find that pattern? Because I've worked with well, people there's, and I've never got there. I've never found right. the problem. Well, I have, I use a very specific technique called E4 trauma and it's something I'm trained in and certified in. So that specific technique gets us into those blind spots that you cannot see. It gets us into those memories that you might not have right away, but we, we go in and we discover and we unfold and we, it's almost like peeling the onion back, Mm -hmm. keep peeling the onion, peeling the onion. So that's, that's the technique I use. So when I developed my shift method, basically um, it's S H I F T shed, share, speak up for yourself, heal, handle it, identify, get in there and really with, with integrity, identify what's going on, feel into it, and build a foundation, a new solid foundation, and trust the process. You got to trust that all things are working for you, through you, as you, with you at all times. Hmm. I got a couple of questions to ask you on that, if it's okay. Yeah. So, one of the things I've been thinking about when I do trauma work is whether I am trusting the process. So, I'm very rational, logical human being. And I get stuck in the how 
And I guess I don't, I'm not open-minded enough or whatever you want to call it, or trust the process or trust the healer uh, to be able to show me the way. So I go into it a little bit too, this ain't going to work. And, and I cannot be the only one. People listening to this might be the same as well. I mean, do, do you deal with a lot of those people? And what would your advice be to uh, help that? My advice is, one, tap into your feminine and soften and receive. There's receptive mode. <laughs> two, honor where you're at and open. The, what you give is what you get. What you put in is what you get out. So if you want to be healed, if you want to live a life fulfilling, if you want to live free of the angst, the anger, the frustration, the, the, the negative thoughts and the constant self-sabotage, you've got to be willing to say, I'm done with this story. Accepting the past for what it was, accepting for what is, and deciding from that moment of present time for what will be your future. Yeah. I often wonder what it is that I'm power of the mind holding on to. So definitely. Powerful. I don't Do know you, if you're into plant medicine or anything like that. No, I was, jo- I was joking with my, uh, I, um, this kaboom coaching with my little group. They're all into their plant medicine. I'm like the only, the only medicine I have, I've ever taken is an aspirin once when I was younger and I don't know nothing right. about plants. So I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> it's not something that I've ruled out, but yeah. Having a few bad trips on LSD when I was younger is, is scared the hell out of me trying it. You yeah, know? yeah. Talk I'm not. The- I'm not. I'm definitely not speaking from a lifetime of experience either. Mm. I actually had one experience with plant medicine with mushrooms. Mm. It was about two months ago, and I went in with. And it was it was a ceremony. It was, there was a shaman. It was a sacred space. It wasn't because there's, I think there's different ways to play with that. You yes. could just go out into mother earth and just stare at the stars and the trees and have your moment, or you can actually set intention and go there with a guide. Like I had a coach the whole time because mm-hmm. I, I would have had a really, really bad experience because my ego took over at one moment in time where my, the, my shaman had to guide me, literally coach me. Mm. into out of, I should say my dark space. Right. And because I have struggled with anxiety and depression, I had told them that ahead of time. I said, look, I've never done this before. I have no idea what's going to come up for me. I'm letting you know that this is my previous experience in life that I've dealt with these thoughts. Mm. And, and because when you, when you take this, this medicine, it disengages your lobes of your, your brain disconnects from your ego, like the sides of the brain. I don't, I don't know the whole science behind it. My girlfriend explains it really well, <laughs> but it, it basically disconnects that, that ego and that, um, and, and so you don't even know what's reality anymore, but the mm. reality is this, you get to create your reality period. So when I was in my, my moment of this experience and I was fighting death, I was literally saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. My egos did not want to die. Mm. They were so fucking stubborn. And finally, I said to my, my shaman, I said, he's like, do you want me to coach you? And I said, yes, because I don't know what to do here. Mm. And he said, and so I stopped and I did lots of breathing. I oxygenated my body. And I said, Harry, his name's Harry. I said, Harry, I don't know what's real. And he said, Amy, whatever you want to be real is real. And I was like, Pfft. because I get to, I didn't realize how much 
of my subconscious programming was wanting to run my story, run my computer, run my life. When the reality is my soul, my spirit, because we're meant to evolve, wanted to evolve. So it's that tug of war of let's stay safe. Let's know what we know and do what we do because it's safe over here. This is our stuff. We feel comfortable here. And your soul's going, no, come on, evolve, grow, love, live, prosper, all this stuff. And I'm like, I want that. And he's like, then go there. And I was like, okay. That's it. And, you know, it it was such a powerful moment because I got to breathe and live and prosper in light, not in darkness. Cause I was used to the darkness. I was yeah. used to the dark abyss and my soul wanted to go to the light. And I was like, if I go to the light, what happens? And he's like, whatever you want to happen. Thank you for sharing that beautiful <sighs> experience. What, why I think that was such a really important moment for the listeners is you said that happened two months ago and your shift was a long time ago. So, and same for me, I stopped drinking 10 years ago and then I believe I had some kind of shift and I was enlightened all of a sudden. But then you really never know how many more gears you've got to go. And what happens is even when you have a, an amazing moment like, you know, learning to be more with it, uh, stopping alcohol or drugs or whatever, at some point, if you're not careful, you'll end up in another dip and you'll start playing safe and you'll be comfortable. And it was beautiful to hear you share that because it shows that you can just keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and it doesn't stop. That's why we do this for life. It's not just a, it's not a quick thing. No, it's not a quick fix at all. Mm. And that's what's so beautiful is that if you look at your journey and see, if you're listening to this right now, whoever's listening, you've had a journey in your life and you've got yourself probably out of like, you've climbed mountains, you've gotten out of the dark spaces, you've gotten yourself where you are today. So can you celebrate that of like, wow, I've been through a lot of shit and I'm still here. Yeah, I like that. And the fact that I am here makes me worthy. Mm. Yeah. That I, like I am that. here today, I am worthy. And I would like to continue my journey to grow and expand and be the best version, hold myself in my highest potential as much as I can. And that's going to require just stepping up and keep stepping up and find joy in the stepping up. That's the thing. You know, we call it the work. Can we call it the joy? I know. Someone said to me me the other day, stop calling it the work. Stop calling it it the work. I think it's called the work because there are moments where you're like, shit, that was really hard, but I got myself (laughs) out. Yeah, yeah. I got myself here. Yeah. I really like what you said there. It, it, it reminded me of, you know, we should never lose, never lose focus on the need for the power within us to emerge and for us to take 100% responsibility for our life yeah. and, for, and for us to, to celebrate and for us to win and for us to be grateful. However, that is not easy to maintain and get into that kind of habit. So having people why? around you. Why? Yeah. Why is, so, so here are I've, I've, that's yeah. not easy already sends us into a low vibration. And I'm not saying it has, maybe we can't go to the higher vibration of this is easy. Hmm. It's getting easier. Hmm. It's getting, right? Because I don't want to lie to myself. If I can say positive affirmations all day long, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, or whatever, whatever that thing is. <laughs> but if I don't believe it, if I'm not living it, if I'm not embodying this 
this new person that I'm becoming, we're not going to get anywhere. Mm. So if I can't believe it, well, it's not easy. You're right, Lee. It's not easy, but could it get easier? Cause I'm practicing. Mm. Could I have compassion with myself? Could I be more compassionate and open to receptive to be, to receive what this, the, the things that, that are offered to me, the modalities that are out there so that I can make this easier so I can get to this is easy versus staying down in the low vibration of this is, this is not easy. This is hard. Do you know what comes up for me when you say that earlier today on my Marco Polo, uh, someone I respect very much, I was um, being a bit of a victim on there, moaning a little bit about, you know, feeling a bit melancholic. And this person said to me, out of interest, what is your spiritual practice? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, since my daughter's been born, so you're talking four years, I don't have one anymore. I fit things in when I can, but my mm-hmm. spiritual practice is gone. Now I'm thinking as you're talking, if I was to get that back and, and to start having that again, then that surely is the time for reflection on these things that you're talking about. So if I have an experience, this experience, we can, we can look at failure, for example, and, and say that failure is a really fantastic, wonderful thing. And I know that logically, but without the practice of just stopping doing stuff and then going, okay, I want to just think about what just happened that last hour. What positive, wonderful things did I learn from that? That has got to be a practice, right? And that's that. That to me, that's what I'm getting out of this conversation with you so far. It, yeah. It's like that practice. Mm-hmm. And Joe Dispenza teaches like the neuroscience one-on-one, right? Neuroscience one-on-one, first thing in the morning, because you're coming from serotonin. Oh, sorry, you're coming from melatonin and serotonin, right? When your body wakes up, it is the perfect time, the perfect time where your subconscious mind is completely open, so you can reprogram. Mm. In those first moments of awakening, go to the vortex. Abraham Hicks calls it the vortex. Get in the vortex of, of high vibration. What am I grateful for? What do I have to look forward to in the day? What am I excited about today? Like, get yourself in the vortex of, of yes, I have an incredible life and I get to make the best of this right now because in those, those first like couple of hours are so crucial. And then the offering. Um, after is like, you go through your day and you're like, you're in your day, reflect in your day, have like, like my coach says, set a, set a joy alarm, have an alarm go off and celebrate in the middle of your freaking day, whatever is going well in your life in that two o'clock hour in the afternoon or not, you know what I mean? And then at night, go back in, Mm. go back in the vortex at night. When you go to, before you go to sleep, gratitude, gratitude will get you there every single time. It takes, I think it's 17 seconds to change the energy of your, of your, your, your thoughts and your, just your vibration in 17 seconds that quickly, you can get yourself back into a a positive state of mind. So reflecting, I'm grateful for, and think about all the things you're grateful for. Yeah. That practice for me, practice is really important. I know, I know this is going to sound like a story, but I have this, if we take the computer analogy that we used so brilliantly earlier on my motherboard which was created when I was younger, is a certain way. And if I'm not present and mindful and I'm not practicing being who I want to be or what I'm capable of being, then the, I'll, I will fit back into that motherboard thing. So a good example, when you just said the morning is a prime time yeah. to set those intentions for the day. 
I straight away, my motherboard kicked in and a story came up and said, yeah, but I'm with my four-year-old daughter in the morning. And then immediately, immediately afterwards, I said, what an opportunity to, yes. te to teach my daughter to have yes. a wonderful morning practice of gratitude, yeah. exercise, stretching, going out. So I'm doing a lot of those things now, but I'm not making it a ritual. I'm going to be talking to, to Brittany yeah. Haggerty tomorrow on rituals. So yeah. I'm getting this. I'm getting this. I'm learning. Like, oh, somebody else is getting some I light bulbs it. flashing here. You know, so can I ask we're you all question? in this together. That's the best part. We're in this together. None of us are doing this alone. Yeah, yeah, we, don't, yeah. we don't have to do it alone. That was my story. For so long, my command was, I'm alone. I'm doing this alone. This is so hard. Life is hard. And as soon as I recognized that, holy shit, I'm not alone. I'm not the first person to go through divorce. I'm not the first person to have heartbreak. I'm not the first person to, you know, file bankruptcy or have no money in my bank or, or you know, what? I'm not the first person. Mm, so why not surround yourself with incredible humans who can lift you up? and help you heal and get to where you want to go because you deserve this. We are meant to thrive in life. We're not meant to survive. We're meant that, to thrive. That was the point that I wanted to make earlier on is if you yourself are struggling, if you are, it really helps to have a group of people oh, around yeah. you. Like my, my, I was struggling a bit last night and my wife came over to me. She gave me a big kiss on my lips and she said, I'm so proud of you today for what you did. Oh. And it shifted me from being um, miserable and old programming. Like I'm not good enough, etc. It shifted me to, wow. Yes. Thank you. You saw me. Thank you. And I felt yeah. so good, you know? So yeah. having, having those people around you is incredibly important. Cause think about it. So many people come to 1000 Days Sober. It's not just them that, that are drinking. They've got a drinking ritual with their partner. So then yeah. if they stop and their partner doesn't, and they start evolving to start doing the Kundalini yoga and to start processing and start really kind of getting rid of those old stories, but the partner doesn't move, doesn't shift, doesn't recognize you, doesn't see you, then we've got a problem. So we have to find other people that it, yeah. our wife or our husband isn't the panacea of life, right? Panacea, panacea of wow. life, right? They're not, are they? You can't rely on them for everything. Mm -hmm. You can't. And that's, and that's the interesting part. You know, sometimes we think that our partner has to feel every yeah. part of our needs. Romanticism. That's not, not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair for you and it's not fair to them. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you that know? completely. Yeah. And how can we fill our own needs? How can you fill up your own needs? How can I say, how can I give myself what I'm looking for externally? How can I say, well, I appreciate myself. Well, you know, I can give myself the attention and the appreciation and the approval within without looking for outside validation. Mm, I like that. You said earlier on, when I asked you about practice, you said, step into your feminine. and. Mm. I want to uh, talk about that a little bit. So I've got this story that I am in tune with my feminine because my mom, my three sisters, and then a lot of my friends were female, and I'm, I'm good at leaning into vulnerability. That's my story. But if I'm being honest, I don't really have a clue when people say about, Lee, you need to step into your feminine energy or you need, you're too much in your masculine energy. I'm like, what is this person talking about? So can you just expand upon that a little bit for the thickies out there that don't understand the feminine masculine like me? 
Well, you know, a lot, I run from a very masculine energy. My mom, I learned, and this is my story. My mom was masculine. So I took over, you know, I got it from her. Mm -hmm. She ran the family, ran the finances, ran the business. Do you know what I mean? She was in control of everything. And that's a very masculine trait. And it's not that you should be one or the other. It's finding the balance between the two. So for me to step into my feminine, which I'm still practicing, is receiving is listening to your intuition. Like how often have you listened to what your gut told you, you know, and, and you can start with like a small practice. Like if your gut says, your intuition says, you know what, grab a sweater. It might be chilly tonight. Then go grab a sweater. Like don't, oh, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden later on, you're like, oh my God, I'm freezing. And you're like, well, shit, I knew I should have brought that sweater. You ever say, oh, I knew I should have done that. Mm. That's your intuition. That's your feminine. You know, right, right. there's also uh, the feminine of being creative, stepping into your creativity versus trying to control things. You know, male masculine is very logical and and very like structured, where feminine is very soft and very much more in flow. So it's really finding that that connection of like, okay, cool. When is it important for me to to listen, to receive, to feel into the intuition that is there that sometimes we just don't hear. Okay, I need a coach to help me to step into my feminine because, <laughs> you know, this morning I I was with Zia, you know, and she said, Daddy, draw me a, a Pegasus. So I, I draw a Pegasus and, uh, and, I, and I'm loving it, you know, and I'm cutting out. And then the mother comes over and says, wouldn't it be better if you did that together? And then in my head, I'm going, yeah, but if we do it together, she's going to screw it up because, like, it's got to be perfect. So... So when you're yeah. talking, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm kind of partly in my feminine because I'm being creative, but then I'm letting my masculine take yeah. over, whereas I should have been saying, hey, Zia, do you, let's do this together, mate. What a beautiful awareness right there. How beautiful is that? I'm, I'm better at the awareness. Uh, I'm going to say another story now. Hang on, hang on. Let me think about this. Let me think about this. Let me think about, about it. Okay, cool. Well, let, let's think about this, though. You only right. know what you know until you know something else, right? So now that you know, that you can tap into that feminine in, in very simple tasks or in very simple experiences like you had with your daughter. Now you know that and you can't unknow what you know. No, but let's talk about something really important that links to that then. And I, I'm pretty okay. sure I'm pretty sure I won't be the only person. As you can tell, I kind of self-diagnose myself to help other people assuming they've got the same issues as me. Um, I'm the guy who learns through his mistakes. And there, there are consequences to that. Because if you're married to me, you get a bit pissed off at that over the years. If you're a child of mine, you get hurt along the way. So I'm the guy who is able to upset somebody and then go, oh, what did I do then? And then fix it. I am getting a lot better at getting ahead of the curve, but I'm still doing this. And, I, and I'm telling myself, uh, Amy, I'm a perfectly imperfect human being and these things are going to happen, right? How am I going to step into this and be this person more than the old programming? Are we just, again, back to the same old thing of practice, practice, practice? First off, I feel the acceptance is the key. You have to accept who you are and where you're at in your journey and accept that it is pure perfection. You are already pure perfection and all things are unfolding in divine timing. And, you know, if you have not done your trauma work and going into the old programming and understanding your commands and all of that stuff, and you have not healed that, it's going to repeat itself. 
You know, you ever, ever just have the same relationship over different partner, different partner, but same relationship, same issue, same problem, same partner, or same issue, same problem, different partner. It's the same, you're, you're, you're on the same program. So as long, until you change your programming, probably not much is going to change. So changing your programming, doing something different. Is knowing your commands, knowing your commands are the most important thing. Knowing what your old story was and what you told yourself and why you're running from that program. Then you get to deliberately decide how you live now. And I'm not saying it's not always, it's not never going to show up again. It'll rear its ugly head, but now, you know, oh, I know that's my stuff. I know that's what I say to myself. I know that's my story. I know that's my story. And I'm choosing differently this time. This time I choose differently. And that's where it comes from practicing consciousness. Like you don't, you don't um, think about how you're going to cut your food. You just cut your food. You get your knife and your fork and you do it. Mm. You're not conscious about it mm. until you decide to switch, put the knife in one hand and put the fork in the other hand and see how it goes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. New programming, new programming. You got me thinking. You got me thinking. You said in the shift method, handle it. Handle it. Handle it. it. Tell me more. Tell you me more it. about it. You said it perfectly. Take responsibility. Taking responsibility, especially in relationship. That's my stuff. I'm so sorry. I'm going to take responsibility. I totally projected my stuff on you. I blamed you. Right? Our emotions are ours. So taking responsibility, just because someone triggers it, that they're not the blame. We can't blame someone else. They just, they're mirroring. They're like, oh, here, I'm going to show you this. And you're like, oh shit, there's my stuff. You know what I mean? And that mirror back is for us to go, okay, what is that? What came up for me? Okay, cool. Let me, let me process that. Let me go work with my coach on that. You know, and that's what I, you know, my clients will come and I'll say, hey, what's going on? And if there's a current situation that needs to be handled, around an upset or depression or saying or anger or sadness or whatever, we go in and we do that first because we can't do trauma work in the past. If something presently is bothering them. I'm reading Preston smiles and Alexis Panos's book at the moment. I don't know if they've got uh-huh. more than one book, um, but I'm reading this book and they were talking about uh, the importance of radical, radical acceptance of responsibility everything so everything that happens so like take this morning for example so i had a little fight with eliza this morning and in my head i'm saying to myself but she needs to deal with this control issue but then there's the other part of me saying to myself no no preston says i got to take 100 responsibility for this so how can i take 100 responsibility for this and drop the ego where are you on this school of thought that we can if we choose to Take 100% responsibility for everything, even the dark shit that people don't like to talk about. A thousand percent. We have to. It's it's really the only way. Because when you take responsibility, that means you accept things for what they are. And then you can choose differently. You know what I mean? It's it's like, um, this happened. And what am I learning from it? And how am I going to choose differently next time? And I'm not saying the next time is going to be the perfect time. But you have the awareness. Again, once you know something, you can't unknow it. So if I'm aware of it and I see it happening, you know, it's like saying, (laughs) Trevor, like you buy a car and you're like, and and for some reason in your mind, you've never seen this car before on the street. And all of a sudden you're like, my car is everywhere. Everyone has the same car I have because you weren't aware of it before. You thought you were so unique. And so like, I have a green, you know, Honda. Well, look at all of them. You know, it's like, 
we don't, we only know what you know until you know something else is what Preston always says. And it's one of my favorite sayings. And then like, once you know, you can't unknow. And you yeah, only know we, this much. We, like, tell, you only know we, this much. we tell people that about 1000 Days So, but once, once I reveal the truth about alcohol, you, you're never going to be able to unsee it. It's going to be very, really, really yeah, difficult. What you see, yeah. yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about Mary Vale Angels um, and take the, I want to know how important services, serving others and doing things for others, how important that is in your journey. Because I know for me, creating this, creating 1000 Days Sober and Strive is as, a, as an arena for people to stop drinking alcohol helps me not drink alcohol right yeah. and i keep trying to get that across to people is once you stop drinking alcohol there needs to be something else we need to go for something else here where we we're what are we well, doing could you replace it with something healthy sure what, what are we doing to help the world what are we you know what that's that's kind of and you seem to be doing it so tell us a little bit about maryville angels so maryville angels is a nonprofit organization that i started 16 years ago and um, I, it's basically Maryvale. Maryvale itself is a halfway house, which resides in East LA and in a place called Rosemead. And it's a halfway house for girls from the ages of six to 18 who are in between foster care and family and they don't have anywhere to go. So social services places them here in this facility so they can get, you know, um, a place, a roof over their head, the mental and physical and um emotional support that they need. So there's, you know, services on the campus and, and they get community and they get what they need until social services decides what's next for them. Maybe their parents figure their stuff out and they can go back home or maybe they go live with grandma or whatever, but this is a safe haven for them in between these places. And so I started taking over their Christmas program, their holiday program, um, over a decade ago. And basically it's a, a, a beautiful holiday celebration because they don't go home for the holidays. They're not with their families on Christmas. So we give them a Christmas on campus so that they can feel that holiday spirit and have a celebration with their Maryville family. Cause a lot of these girls bond and they become like best friends and, and all of that. So we bring oh, in, yeah. a, you know, we have a Santa come, we have a DJ. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, that kind of celebration where uh, music, food and fun. And yeah. I like it. I like it. Amy, thank you very much for being a guest on 1000 days sober experience and helping us learn a little bit more about anxiety, emotional overwhelm, and depression. Really, really enjoyed that conversation. I will make sure, if you're listening to this, folks, go to www.1000daysober.com, go to the podcast page, find Amy's specific page, and you will find all of the show notes, all of her links, everything that she's got on offer, and we will create a special little workbook for you as well, that deepen your knowledge on this subject. Anything you you want to say before we let you go? Uh, I say, you know... I say this, breathe. The bridge to life is breath. And knowing that you have breath every day means you're alive. And that is a gift. And let's just celebrate that gift of life and know that you are enough exactly as you are on the journey of divine timing and pure perfection. Thank you very much, Amy. Beautiful. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Alcohol Addiction Podcast. Now, before you run away, just a few things, okay? So, The next time we run the 1000 Day Sober Experience, our program that guides you and helps you to become 1000 Day Sober, so that's 2.7 years, folks, right? It's the only long-term program in the world where we're with you constantly, 
to help and guide you through the six stages of the Strive Model for Change. We get you through being stuck. We get you through thinking and the ambivalence around drinking alcohol. We get you through the research phase of making some change. We get you through the change. We manage you through that change. And then after that, with alcohol in the rearview mirror, we help you to evolve, to live a fulfilled life, to do that incredibly important post-recovery work which so many people, so many organizations out there dismiss or just don't even cover at all, right? So we got you back for 1,000 days. The next time we run an experience will be in July, but do not wait until then. The best thing that you can do right now is to get over to www.1000daysober.com and sign up to be a member of Strive today. Okay, it is £40 a month subscription that includes uh, the 1000 Days Sober experience. It includes uh, online workshop, it includes online meetings, it includes guidance from our ambassadors, it includes one-on-one -on -one meetings with our incredible Strive coaches who are uh, skilled at a vast array of important elements of your life that are gonna drive up and increase your physical and mental health. And by joining now, you get used to the environment, you get used to the community, you get used to the people, and when by the time July comes along, you'll be firing on all cylinders, kind of roaring to get into the 1000 Days Sober experience. So do that today, really, really important. If you want to get the show notes for today, the show notes are exceptional, folks. You get the show notes from today's episode. You want to get a full transcription of today's episode. And you want to get a special workbook um, that will give you some, some fun and interesting questions based on today's episode that you can help that will um, one-up your life, right? Then get over to www.1000daysober.com. You will find the link there and sign up, give us your email address, and we will give you uh, we will give you these things free of charge, okay? And on that £40 a month, if you do not have the money, if you are struggling financially, then email me at thetruthaboutalcohol at gmail.com and we'll figure something out. Do not let money get in your way of becoming 1,000 days sober. And just because we go 1,000 days sober, right? don't be worried about that if you're not quite ready to quit yet. The first stage of the Strive Model for Change is called Stuck. The second stage is called Thought. And we do not expect you to stop drinking whilst you're doing that work. And that will take you a good four to five months. So you get a lot of grace. We will meet you where you're at in your addiction to alcohol. Don't worry about that, okay? We take on everybody. People who are desperately trying to stop drinking and people who stop drinking and they just want help putting their life back together, okay? Um, lastly, if you enjoyed listening to Alcohol Addiction Podcast, then please rate and review it on your local provider whether that would be apple or soundcloud or whatever uh, just give us a nice review and some nice stars you can find us on instagram at 1000daysober.com or 1000daysober and you can find us on youtube 1000daysober as well all right take care yourselves folks ciao ciao